acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. It takes real comedic chops to play the woman starring opposite Larry David for 11 seasons on the cringeworthy meta-hit Curb Your Enthusiasm. My guest today, actress, director, and producer Cheryl Hines plays the cantankerous comedian's wife with the improv skills and killer timing that have earned her two Emmy nominations for the role. As an actress, Hines is known for her memorable turns in the critically acclaimed film Waitress, the sitcom Suburgatory, and most recently on HBO's The Flight Attendant. She's also brought her talents behind the scenes, producing the Oxygen series Campus Ladies, and directing the film Serious Moonlight, starring Meg Ryan and Timothy Hutton. Hines is now also a member of one of America's most well-known and respected families. She married her husband, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., in 2014. With Hines starring as Cheryl David for two decades and counting, I wanted to know how she got her start in acting. Well, I mean, I did commercials when I was young, in Florida. And then I went to University of Central Florida. And this is how old I am, okay? My senior year there, that's when Universal Studios opened. (laughs) (laughs) So they did like a big casting call, like over a 1000 actors showed up because all these kids wanted to, you know, work there and get a job as an actor because they had different shows. And so I got hired. And I mean, so yes, I was getting paid to act, if if you consider that professional. Yeah, I tell everybody who starts out, when they come to me and say, like, oh, what do you do? You know, they always want to work that angle. Mm. What do you do to make it? How do mm. I get an agent? All that bullshit. My feeling about that is you do anything. Right. You don't have any pride. Right. Don't have any pride. Just do I was doing a soap opera. In New York, my first job, and while I was doing the soap opera, I still went down 
this is pre-internet, of course, when dinosaurs roam the earth. And we go down, and we go to the NYU Film School bulletin board mm-hmm. where they had a casting section, and they'd say, you know, call Frank, call Joe, call Susie. We're making a movie, and they're shooting in a bar that they've closed down for, like, all Saturday, day and night. We're going to shoot the whole thing in one night, the, yeah. the, the student film. I go down, I do the film. But my point is that... I would do the show, uh, and then I went down and I do. I did a, a, a showcase theater on the weekends. Mm-hmm. We'd rehearse at night. I'd finish the show. We finished taping at three o'clock every afternoon. It was a half hour. Run downtown, Van Dam Theater, do a play Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. My point is, I said to people, say yes to anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter. You got to put it out there. You got to put it out there. Do you yeah. feel the same way? Oh, definitely. I mean, when I first moved to L.A., I mean, I didn't have an agent. I didn't. You know, I was bartending, but I would audition for a lot of student films. I would audition for everything because somebody had advised me to, you know, they were like, you'll get better at auditioning the more auditions you go to. And of course, at the time, I felt like, well, that's so mean to the productions to audition for something that I probably couldn't even do if I got cast. (laughs) But I didn't have to worry about that part. Um, I did audition for student films because I knew that I would get experience. It was good experience to audition for that. And that those filmmakers are going to, if they're good, go on to make other films, right? So so everybody has to start somewhere. Right. You're standing there one day at a barbecue (laughs) and somebody's standing next to you and you're like, and and this is before history writes itself. And you're like, what's your name? The guy's like, David, David O. Russell. And you're like, oh, (laughs) could you pass me the mustard? What are you working on? You know what I mean? Like you're there in the infancy of someone's right. career. Right. And they remember you. They remember you came to LA when you were how old? I was 25. And so you stayed there beyond college. You stayed in Florida. No New York. No, I didn't go to New York. No, I just right. went from Florida to LA. Right. Wow. Because I knew two people in LA. I didn't know anybody in New York. Who in LA did you know? I knew there was a screenwriter named Mike France, who has passed away, sadly. But he wrote Goldeneye, one of the mm. uh, Bond movies. But but his family, my family grew up together in Winter Haven, Florida. Right. So I knew him, although he was a friend of my brother's. Well, you know, you grow up and you're like, oh, we're kind of the same age and you're cute. But he was living out here. And then I had a friend from high school named Paul Beckett. And he, he lived out here too. And he was a... Uh, Professional background actor. (laughs) Not an amateur background actor. It was his full-time... He was a professional background actor. Yes. Now, when you came here, what year was that? Late 80s? Yeah, late 80s. When you get out there, what's the vibe? Mm. Well, so when I first came out here, I, like you're saying do anything, like do everything, anything to try to, you know, as they say in football, move the chains, right? Right. So there was a woman, and I won't even remember her name. Her first name was Melissa. But I think I saw an ad for a quote-unquote intern. And I only say quote-unquote because I wasn't even in school, but it was just another way of saying we're not going to pay you. But I would love for someone to come work in my office. So I did, and I, you know, helped, like, go through headshots and this and that. And one day she she looked at me, and she was like, you're attractive. You should do okay, but you should get a boob job. (laughs) 
And I was like, wow. Then she handed you the card, her husband's card. <laughs> yeah. And it's only going to cost you. Yeah. Um, so describe Winter Haven. I mean, I, the, the, what I'm saying, the girl from Winter Haven, is everybody complete and no one's telling you you need to have a boob job in Winter Haven? Only when you get to L.A., yeah. like when you were home and growing up there, was it just very ordinary and all-American? Well, and- so I went to, from Winter Haven, I went to Tallahassee. That's In Tallahassee, that's where I went to, went to middle school and high school. So, yes, all-American and conservative in Tallahassee. So... Right. You know, guys wore khakis and polo shirts. All the guys looked like f- football coaches. Your husband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way. Khakis are, and polos. No, I had, at one point I was like, Bobby. You've come full circle. You cannot wear khaki, pleated khakis. Yeah. Like you can't. Uh, so he has left them behind. But yeah, and then the girls, you know, it was really, it was really pretty, like, mm, I don't want to say average. That's. But but like group right. think, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like traditional. Traditional, that's the word. Yeah. So yeah. no, nobody was really that you know, it wasn't I didn't know one person who had a breast augmentation when I was right. in high school. But when I was in LA in the beginning, I actually heard someone say to someone, oh, an actress told me that the guy or the woman that 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 hinted to them that they should have their boobs done. The person that said this to my friend said, don't you understand? He said, this is a sign of how beautiful you are. Oh. And, and when, you, when, you, when, you, when you have your boobs done, you're going to be right there. You're going to be, a t- we're going to oh. sell you, and you're going to do so many commercials and movies. Like, there are women who, we could give them a boob job, and it's really not going to make a difference. <laughs> He said, and they're, she not was gonna, like, they're not going to be hireable. You exactly. So much. Oh, my God. And she God, was like, thank oh, you. God, what's your name? Let me write that down <laughs> to send it to my lawyer. It's weird. It's weird. And it was interesting because at that time, I hadn't even thought about it. And it did not seem like it was necessary. But, what, you know, I went home and I started thinking about all the actors, actresses that I really looked up to that I felt like, Goldie Hawn doesn't have big ones. You know, when I started right, like right. thinking of all the actresses that I really admired and did breast size have anything to do with it. Right. And I thought, oh no, I I don't think those those are the parts I'm like going for. I'm, I'm not I'm not dying to be on Baywatch, you know what I mean? So it was sort of that when I first got here. And then I started I started studying and performing at some point at the Groundlings Theater in West Hollywood, which was all improv and and sketch comedy. And, you know, I didn't really experience too much of the... Harassment. Yeah, definitely not, not any harassment, but even like guys have it easier than girls. Like at the Groundlings, my experience wasn't that. Much more democratic there. Yeah, I've been so fortunate because I haven't really felt that wow. in a, in a sense, That's you know. Amazing. And then when I I directed a, a little independent film a while ago, but that was the question. And this was like probably fourteen years ago or something. It was like, wow, you're a a female director. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, it is? They're like, yeah. Like never even, that was just so crazy to them. And I was like, oh, I I guess it is. I never thought about it. Now, 
for some reason, you have omitted, as we're kind of doing a rather semi-chronological uh, stroll uh, down the, uh, the, the path here, that uh, how did you get to become an assistant for Rob Reiner? Well, so I was I was working as a bartender in a hotel Where? downtown at the Intercontinental Hotel. I don't even know if right. it's still there. So I was bartending, and one of my friends had a friend who was working for or heard that Rob Reiner was turning 50, and they needed an extra assistant to help put the party together. And they thought of me, and she said, you know, do you want to go meet them and see – you know, it's a temporary job. You can do it during the day and then still bartend at night, which is what I did. And I really loved Rob and Michelle Reiner. And at some point, they offered me a full-time job. And <laughs> How long did that last? Probably two years, two and a half two years. Two years. Yeah. I worked with Rob, who had the great line once. We did the movie Ghosts of Mississippi. And he yes. Came up to me. He came up to me and he said... Uh, he said, do me a favor. He said, uh, we all want to put a camera in the top and the back of the stage uh, in the, on the ceiling and shoot down like a big overhead master. And he said, is that all right with you? Do you mind doing it again? I had like a three-page monologue, like a courtroom oh scene. I, go, I said, yeah. I said, because we shot it and covered it. And, he, and I go, yeah, that'd be great. He goes, right? He said, when you got a good piece of material, you never get tired of doing it because you know that the next movie you're going to do, you're going to have one line a day, and that line's going to be, get down! Everybody get down! <laughs> so when you have good material, you'll do it again and again and again. I want to talk to you about directing a movie. You did the movie with Meg? I did. I did a. I did a film called Serious Moonlight. Meg Ryan and Timothy Hutton, Kristen Bell, and Justin Long. They and they were all really great. And, and that film, you know, it was a complicated sort of moment in time because I had just done the the movie Waitress. I was in the movie Waitress as an actress, and Adrian Shelley had written right. and directed and was in Waitress. Right. This is and, part of the Adrian Shelley story. Yeah. yeah. And so before Waitress came out, tragically, Adrian was killed in New York City. And then Waitress premiered in uh, Sundance and without Adrian. And it was, you know, it was very bittersweet because that film is so a little bit magical and people really fell in love with it. And Adrian had written this script, Serious Moonlight. And Andy Ostroy, who was married to Adrian, called me after waitress and right after Adrian had been killed and said, you know, I want to produce this film that Adrian wrote and I I want you to consider directing it because I think you would get the tone of it. And at that time, I was like, are you talking to me? <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. What what are you ask? What are we talking about? Because I ha- what didn't even wasn't even thinking about directing a film, you know? I had directed some television, but not a film. And uh, what television did you direct? Well, I produced, had you directed Curb before that? No, no, right. nobody have since. Oh, nobody. that I know. Yeah. No, I had produced and and helped create a show called Campus Ladies. Mm-hmm. It was about these two uh, middle aged wait- ladies that go to college for the first time and live in a freshman dorm in a triple with a nineteen year old girl who's like, oh my god. I cannot live with you two. Actually, and Jonah Hill played the um, RA 
So I like to think that I gave him his first job, which is true. So I, I directed a few episodes of that, but it was really fun. So I had to sort of search my soul and figure out, is this something that I should do, <laughs> I can do. And then I talked to my director friends, like Barry Sonnenfeld, and and they all said, yeah, you should just do it. Like, w- nobody can tell you. You can't even tell somebody what's going to happen when they direct. Right. It's something that you have to experience. We can't even tell you what you're going to go through. But just go for it. Do it. You know, call me if there's a problem. Call me with questions, which is what I did. And we shot in... Uh, 15 days, I think, 15 days. And uh, yeah, and then Meg said yes to the script and and Timothy Hutton. And I mean, it was, <laughs> it was a, it was a great and terrifying and stressful experience. When you went to the Groundlings, who was your teacher? My first teacher was Lisa Kudrow. Isn't that amazing? It's so amazing. And the reason I went to the Groundlings, like I was saying, is I met Phil Hartman's sister at the bar Mm. of the Intercontinental Hotel. And she was like, that's where my brother got his start. And I said, oh, my God, I've got to go to this theater Mm. and see what it's about. And when I went, I fell in love with it. I couldn't believe what they were doing on that stage. But I had no money. I didn't even have a refrigerator at this point because I didn't know apartments didn't come with refrigerators. But all I did was talk about the Groundlings, and that's really where I wanted to go you know, study. And so on my birthday, all the regulars and the wait staff chipped in and paid for my first Groundlings class. And then my teacher was Lisa Kudrow. Actor and producer Cheryl Hines. If you enjoy conversations with funny and insightful actresses, check out my episode with Kristen Bell. And the moment I said, you know what, I have a thing... And it's a quirky, weird, funny, bubbly, fun thing that can be snarky. And I love doing it. I do it pretty well. Why not lean into it? And that is when I felt like I started becoming happier. When I stopped trying to be in everyone else's category. To hear more of my conversation with Kristen Bell, go to heresthething.org. After the break, Cheryl Hines shares what it's like to direct the one and only Larry David. writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark, more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. When Cheryl Hines was first introduced to Larry David during her Curb Your Enthusiasm audition, the actress had no idea if she was about to encounter John Cassavetes, Howie Mandel, or the funny dweeb from chemistry class. I didn't even know what he looked like. And at that time, I was still working for Rob Reiner. And, and Rob and Larry know each other. And I knew that they know each other because... Well, because Seinfeld was a casserock. Yeah. But at that time, I was auditioning for a lot of stuff. My agent called and said they were looking for an unknown actress <laughs> to play Larry David's wife. And it's all going to be improvised. Yeah. I, I said, well, how old is that guy? Isn't he old? Yeah. <laughs> and my agent, who my agent at the time was not a great agent. If you're listening, you know who you are. Um, but he was like, because he was like, look, you're probably not going to get this part. Just go have a good audition. And maybe there's something else for you in the show. And I was like, thank you. Okay. So that's what I did. I just, I didn't know what he looked like. I didn't know anything about him, about Larry. And when I was walking down the hallway to audition, the casting director said, don't touch Larry. He doesn't like for people to touch him. I was like, oh, okay. And they said, uh, you know, it's supposed to sort of feel like a documentary. So if at any point it feels fake or false, the audition will be over. I was like, okay. Yeah. 
yeah. they were like, and here's Larry. Yeah. You know, an open there's door. Some, there's some, this is a minefield, and there's some mines on the floor that will blow <laughs> yeah. up your whole audition. So make sure you don't step on them. Right. And they're they're out know. there somewhere. Yeah. Did they really say that to you? Yeah. I mean, wow. and actually, it was good advice because... You know, because because Curb Your Enthusiasm is all improvised. So I've been in the room to improvise with other actors that come in to audition for our show. And when you're improvising, and you know this, like, you have to make decisions quickly. And you have to— That's what Groundlings taught you how to do. (laughs) Yeah. And you have to assume a relationship in an improv. You just do. Otherwise, it's two strangers, you know, talking— And we say yes. (laughs) And we say yes. So— if you're improvising with someone, your inclination, especially if your husband and wife, might be to touch the other person. So knowing what I know now about Larry, yeah, don't touch him. <laughs> he don't doesn't want he doesn't want twenty strangers touching him, even if it's in an audition for his show. Right. You even if it mean? might improve the audition. Yeah, he doesn't want that. He's, is he still that way? He's still got that uh yes. Howie Mandel thing, don't touch me. Yes. Yeah, yes. how he's got that thing too. Yeah, fist, you know, elbow, fist bump, no yeah. touching, no yeah. hand shaking. Don't yeah. touch me. Yeah, I never would have guessed that about Larry. I didn't know that about him, Larry. What? I, I only one time had a po- an opportunity. There was just like a brief discussion of me doing the show, and I guess it was. I want to guess that it was McEnroe did the show. I was going to play myself. And Larry and I share a limo from LAX coming into town. And they said to me, here's the idea. And I thought, uh, oh, great. And we couldn't work it out dates-wise or whatever. And uh, he never called me again and never asked me again. And uh, uh, But I was asked to do the show. I think the person that played the part I was supposed to play was uh, McEnroe. So when you do the show... Mm-hmm. Now, this show has been, obviously, over 20 years. Yes. So you've been in and around these people for 20 years. Now, yes. I know that when I did a show, and I and I love the people, there was like a handful, not many, certainly, who I, I never wanted it to end. I never tired mm-hmm. of being around them. When Curb is over, have you had enough of Curb and you're ready to take a break? Not as a put-down of anybody, but it's like it's a thing where you've done this for so long now. No. You act- like when you have a break. No. I have You could this- do 52 shows a year. Well, see, that's the thing, too, because uh, for a season, for us, is 10 episodes. Right, of course. So, and then we do it, like, every other year or something. But I have the same sort of feelings about Larry. I mean, I feel like, you know, when you're in high school and you're you have a chemistry lab class and they pair you up with somebody random and you're like, oh, my God, I'm stuck with this guy. Um, And then you realize, oh my God, this is the smartest, funniest guy I've ever met in my entire life. Um, And you, you know, you love going to class every day because the two of you make things explode. And that's how I feel about Larry. I mean, I feel like, and all of them, I mean, I love Susie, I love Jeff, Richard Lewis. It's like, I just, I could do it every day, all day for the rest of my life. I watched that show and I mean, people, you know, the great gift of that show is that you got to have people that can deliver a line. You know, Susie Essman. Oh, my God. You, you got to have that woman knows how to deliver a line. She's like, she's like the Olivier of vulgarity. You know what I mean? She she's like the Richard Burton the of vulgarity. She's uh-huh. balls to the wall. And I think to myself, is Larry somebody who... Does he want to bring in new people? Does he want to try new people? Let's write new characters. Let's freshen up. Or is he one of those guys where I got a company of actors and I like them and I want to work with them? 
I like what I'm, I'm going to stick with what I have. Uh, he's a combination. It, it's always been odd to me that we have actors, famous people who play a version of themselves. And then we also have famous people who play a character. <laughs> like Vince Vaughn has been playing a character. <laughs> so it's, it's funny, but he, it really is uh, story driven. So he he comes up with the ideas. Larry comes up with the ideas. And Jeff Schaefer is, is really amazing behind the scenes. So they come up with ideas for the shows, and then they take it from there. But, you know, the, I think he likes to cast people that he knows. But also, you know, the casting, they've casted a lot of people. Casted? Is that a word? They've cast. I think the past tense of cast is cast. <laughs> Even when you say it wrong, Cheryl, it sounds great. <laughs> That's your gift. Well, when they cast Even when it you is. blow the line, it's fantastic. <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's a combination is what I'm trying to say. Now, speaking of casting, I, I am of the belief that for the core, the real central characters, not the guests that come and go or recurrings and so forth. I did 30 Rock, and I fully believe that if one of those people was different, we might not have made it. Mm-hmm. Chemistry is the word, obviously. And there's a chemistry. We did, and we'll, we'll talk about that chemistry because on 30 Rock, I really believe it had to be Tina and Jack and Tracy and uh, uh, Jane Krakowski. And if they p- put somebody else in there, it would not have been. It might not have worked. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. feel that way? I mean, I, I do feel the same way. You know, Curb is, is such a different show because because there's no script and there's there it's it's not like, you know, I've done other, um, I've done other shows where there are scripts and there's a table read and everybody laughs at the funny lines, and so you kind of get an idea of if, the, if this is working or if it's not. But on Curb, there's no table read because there's no script. There's no, you know, there's no audience. Bizarre. The camera, you know, crew is in a different room, and you're just sitting in a living room talking. So at the beginning, it was really hard to know before it aired. I I had no idea if like people would, how people respond to it. How many takes do you get? You get a lot of takes or no? He likes to move on. He likes to move on. If it's just, I, if it's just me and Larry, uh, we've done it in two takes. You know, amazing. If there are more people, or if it's more involved, right. then you have to cover. But. But because it's improvised, there's always a camera on Larry and a camera over Larry to whomever he's speaking. He's the Jackie Gleason of the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, no two takes are the same. So if you get a take, if he gets a take that he likes, he'll be like, yeah, let's move on. What was it like to direct him? It was kind of hilarious because it was a real 50-50 crapshoot. Like I would go in and say, this time when you see JB, maybe you're less angry and a little. And he's like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) And then sometimes I'll say, look, you just chipped your tooth, you know, maybe let's see your reaction to that. And he's like, yeah, okay, I'll do that. So it was real. (laughs) You kind of never knew what what you were going to get. I had a famous director once who he said to me, "Uh, let's do it again. And just take everything off of it. I go, oh, really? He goes, yeah, I feel like you're kind of putting something on it. It's like it's too much. I go, really? He goes, yeah. Well, not not a great deal, but just a little bit. He goes, just take a little bit off of it. I go, okay, okay. I go in, I do it again. I do exactly what I did the time before. (laughs) 
And he goes, let's do it again. And uh, really just try to take a little bit more off of it. Just try it again if you can. And just take a little bit more off of it because I really feel like there's still, you're like doing something like the guy. And in my mind, I'm thinking the character is a performer. The character uh-huh. is trying to charm people. The character is a movie star. And he goes, uh, do it again. I go, okay, watch this. I said, you watch this. I'm going to ta- take it off. I go back out there. I do exactly the same fucking thing again. <laughs> and I come off the set. And he goes, Okay, just really, really, just try to take everything off. Of it. Don't, don't, don't do anything. Just say the lines and just throw it away. And I go, you got it. I said, you got. It. I'm sort of sorry. I said, We're, I'm, I said, you watch this. I'm gonna really, really get it. I'm gonna take everything off of it. And I go out and I do the exact same fucking thing again. And he says to me, he goes, okay, let's move on. Like he knew, <laughs> right? He, he knew he was never gonna get gonna, a different. We're, we're not gonna get. We don't have the time to waste here. That is the thing about directing. You learn quickly. Like, you can't make somebody do something. Actor, director, Cheryl Hines. If you're enjoying this conversation, tell a friend. And be sure to follow Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, Cheryl Hines tells us how marrying a Kennedy has changed her. Notorious Scott Summers hater Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of MoviePhone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Every week on Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso, I invite an artist, writer, or politician to come to the table and speak from the heart in ways I imagine you haven't heard from them before. Some of my favorites are with Tom Hanks, Margaret Atwood, Questlove, Kate Blanchett, and Oscar Isaac. 
If that sounds like a varied group of people, it's because it is. I always wanted to make a show where one week we could sit with a politician like Beto or Rourke, the next an author like Min Jin Lee, or TV titans like Bill Hader and Quinta Brunson. Basically, this is a podcast driven by curiosity and an abundance of research. Conversations where people actually start to sound like people. In recent weeks, I sat with Dan Levy, Ava DuVernay, Benny Safdie, and the editor of The New Yorker, David Remnick. You can listen to Talk Easy with Sam Fragoso on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I hope to see you there. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. Cheryl Hines has spent 11 seasons on the Emmy-winning Curb Your Enthusiasm, during which she has seen an endless parade of talented guest stars. I was curious who made her list of favorite appearances. There was a time when we were shooting in New York uh, when Larry did the producers on Broadway. So we were all in one trailer off Broadway. And uh, during lunch, we're all sitting there with our little paper plates on our laps. And David Schwimmer was there because he was also in it. Mel Brooks was there. Larry And then Jerry Seinfeld was just walking by, and he (laughs) was there. And we're just hanging out, eating lunch. And then Anne Bancroft came in Hmm. to change in the other little tiny room in the back. But, you know, we did, did like, the the Seinfeld reunion one year, and that was Uh amazing. And then, uh, like, Tracy Ullman, you know, I mean, to be able to work with her was – this has been just been one after another and Dustin Hoffman. I mean, you name it. Oh, and then Martin Scorsese, that was fun. Exactly. And and Marty, as we call him, right? Marty. Um, he was doing this scene with Larry and he's playing Martin Scorsese in the show. And Larry's, you know, being a asshole to him, like, no, let me do this, let me do that. And uh <laughs> In between takes, I went up to Marty and I was like, no actor would ever talk to you like that in real life. And he was like, you'd be surprised. You'd be amazed. You wouldn't believe what actors say to me. (laughs) I was like, I go, no, but if you give an actor a note, they're not like saying that to you. And he's like, you would be shocked. (laughs) I I can't believe that. I know. So it's like. I did The Departed with him and he was like, that guy, that guy right there, that guy right there, that guy right there, that guy right there on the screen, that guy right there in the green shirt, that guy right there. I go, yeah. He goes, but he fucked up, right? Did he fuck up? Did he fuck up? He fucked up, right? Did he fuck up? I go, yeah, he fucked up. He goes, how how do you feel right now? How do you feel right now? Right now, how do you feel? How do you feel? I go, uh, I go, I'm, I'm angry. He goes, you angry? How angry are you? Are you really angry? Are you fucking furious? Are you fucking, are you like unbelievable? The guy there in the green shirt fucked up, but how furious are you? I go, I'm fucking furious. I go, what do you want to do? You want to, you want to grab him? You want to, you want to choke him to death, right? You want, you're, you're really fucking angry, right? I go, yes, 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 I'm angry. I want to beat the shit out of him. He goes, ha, 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 let's shoot that. Let's shoot that. You go over there, you grab him, you throw him against the wall, you beat the shit out of him. We just made it up. We do take one. I bounce the guy against the wall. The set is embraced. Oh, this is a wall. No. So the set almost falls down. I fling this guy up against the wall to slug this guy. And, Mar- and you hear Marty over my video village going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> And I go, okay. So they go, okay, let's stop. And we're going to brace the set and we'll do it again. And we do this. And he was so, if he was inspired, you know, if he was moved, if he was so uh, inclined, He's the greatest boy. He was just, I mean, I only had two small parts in two films with him, but he was so, so, so amazing. 
Now, you were married once before. Yes. And you have your daughter with your first husband. Yes. And then, of course, at this point in your life, you're very successful. What I learned about you, I'm a very good judge of character, and that is nobody in the town has a bad word to say about you. Everybody loves you. <laughs> Everybody loves Cheryl Hines. And she's the star, uh, one of the stars of this huge show. And everybody, and, and, the, and the Curb Your Enthusiasm, of course, lives in that weird little quadrant where people in the industry watched the show. Yeah. We stayed, 30 Rock stayed on the air because Lorne Michaels would be in Aspen and someone would say, my son broke his arm skiing and he had he couldn't go skiing so we were in the hotel room and we watched seasons three and four of 30 rock that show's hysterical they say <laughs> so people in the business watch uh -huh. the show right curb is a show that people in the business yeah. watch the show so uh everybody loves you the show's a great success and you decide to get married again what do you do cheryl mm, i marry a kennedy yeah yeah uh. Yeah. How did that? How, how Larry You took Larry's <laughs> dating recommendation. No, Larry was the uh, he was the opposite of he was no. So Larry and he Bobby, didn't set you up with Bobby. No, I mean he introduced okay. us right. just because we were at the same event. But then later, you know, Larry was like, "That's a terrible idea." No, 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 don't don't get involved. That that's a terrible idea. And then cut to yeah, we've been married for eight years. Yeah, something like that. You must have a, a ball hanging out with that crowd. We have so much fun, and you're and you're right. There's his family is so uh, so much more. I don't know, welcoming and right more personable than you could imagine. I don't know. And when I met him, and I was like, oh, I'm going to meet all the candidates. That sounds intimidating. And then yes. you meet them, and they're just really fun. Smart. They want to have a good time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Work hard, play hard. That's yeah. right. That's right. Were there things that were issues that you maybe kind of sort of had some interest in? Has he deepened your passion for any issues at all? Well, I met Bobby at a Waterkeeper Alliance fundraiser. So Bobby started Waterkeeper, and I definitely being around him and understanding you know the environment better and and how big corporations are just, they would, it's much easier and cheaper for them to pay fines right. uh, for k killing people. Bring the product to market at its true cost, he taught me. Yeah. <laughs> so I have learned about it sort of on that, the the bigger scale and, and more of the um, legal side of right. it. More than just, you know, oh, recycle. So it's a, definitely a learning. And I go in and out of being interested in politics. Because right. sometimes I I cannot I can't these days I can't even watch the news. But then you know I don't know in six months I might only be watching the news all the time because. Right. But but yeah I learn a lot from him. I've learned. What have you taught him? I think I've taught him to. I mean I don't want to say lighten up because he's it's interesting. You wouldn't think that he's as funny and playful as he is just if you only knew him from his yeah. you know persona that he presents to people so um i've taught him that uh, hopefully it's a, i'm teaching him like sometimes check it at the door <laughs> like don't right. bring everything home right. he's invested in so many heavy Save causes yeah that it's like oh man Sometimes you just need to watch 30 Rock and get your mind right. off there. <laughs> but th th you're very right, which is you can't be saving the world all the time. You no. Take a break. And it's like, 
I sometimes I get so frustrated and I'm like, look, yes, we're all dying of everything. Whatever you think is killing us, it is. It is. So just, yeah, let's enjoy the night. Yeah. Now, I did Saturday Night with Larry where we did the debate, and he was uh, Bernie Sanders. He said, I'm not like my opponent. I've got four pairs of underwear, and I wash them out in the sink every night and leave them on the radiator. And we had a ball, and he was very, very, very funny. You and he are divorced on the show. Yes. And I'm dating Ted Danson on the show. Now, that's kind of a lateral move age-wise. We thought, why are you with, like, Roger Federer? Right? Like a hot guy. Right. And then I fooled around with Larry behind Ted's back. Oh, my. I did the movie It's Complicated. That's what I did. I had an affair with oh, my ex-wife. Right. I loved It's Complicated. No, no, no. But but when you divorce your character you've been with all this time, was it a little bit wistful for you when Larry and you got divorced? It was terrible. Were you I, glad to run off and have, go have an affair with Ted Danson? No, it was terrible. I hated it. I still hate it. But then we tried to get back together and... Yeah, listen, it's not that kind of show. Right. <laughs> I'm not okay. having love scenes with anybody. <laughs> no, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> but okay. um, I don't know. I keep thinking that Larry and Cheryl, they they belong together, it seems like. i got to tell you, everybody loves you. Oh. It's a nice position to be in. You're very I sweet. wouldn't know what that was like. <laughs> I, wish I, knew, I wish I knew what that was like for one day. My love to you, Cheryl Hines. <laughs> love to you, baby. Give my love to your, your man. I will. My thanks to Cheryl Hines. This episode was recorded at CDM Studios in New York City. We're produced by Kathleen Russo, Zach McNeese, and Maureen Hoban. Our engineer is Frank Imperial. Our social media manager is Daniel Gingrich. I'm Alec Baldwin. Here's the thing is brought to you by iHeart Radio. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results, like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests – 
Then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.